Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, Today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Leadership Pathway. They help young leaders take their best and their first steps in healthy ministry through launching residency and coaching in the first three years of ministry. If you have someone on your team who is in their first three years or they're just starting with you, don't wait to get them a coach to help them face all the unique challenges of starting in ministry. Reality is that those who... uh, of us who really do well in the first three years will probably make it to 10 and 20 years down the road. But so many quit in those first few years. A lot of my friends quit or got fired because they didn't understand, didn't grasp the larger picture. Listen, you're busy. You've got a lot going on. uh, You need help. Let our good friends over at Leadership Pathway help you. $100 a month is nothing compared to the long-term cost of a young leader quitting or getting fired in the first three years. Leadership Pathway has talked to thousands of leaders and worked with hundreds of churches on a variety of topics. They know Generation Z, they get the millennials, they are working with this age group and they're coaching leaders who are working with this age group all over the country. Listen, go to leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. That's leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. It's all there. Let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. Uh, Today you are going to get a real treat out of today's episode. You know, every week, what we try to do is bring you church leaders that will not only inspire you, but also equip you. And today is no exception. Super excited to have uh, Rachel Long with us. She is executive pastor of Family and Multisite at Emmanuel Baptist Church. This church started in 1977, if I did my research right. And uh, a multi-site church uh, has been multi-site since 2013. Uh, I've got four campuses in the greater Indianapolis area. Uh, So excited to have you on the show today, Pastor Rachel. Thank you for being here. Oh, I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to be with you, Rich. And I just want to thank you for um, Church Growth Flywheel. Man, that book has been uh, instrumental in our staff's big days. So we are a fan and this is a complete honor. So thank you. Oh, come on. No, I'm excited (laughs) to learn from you and excited for our listeners to lean in. I think there's so much uh, for them to learn from you specifically, but then also from the church. Uh, So Emmanuel Baptist, one of the fastest growing churches in the country, you're multi-site. We love multi-site here at Seminary, but what Start with kind of telling us about Emmanuel, give us kind of a flavor of the church. Obviously, you know, this last year has changed everything about our churches, but kind of pre-COVID, currently what you're thinking in the future, kind of give us a sense of who Emmanuel is. Uh, Give us, kind of tell us a little bit of that story. Yeah, for sure. So Emmanuel moved from being a Baptist church to a non-denominational church around 2005, 2004. And since then, um, we have had the vision to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. And Um, We are on a relentless pursuit for our friends and family that are far from Christ. And that vision has become our sticking point, our North Star for everything that we do, including when we decided to go from one campus to multiple campuses. And the multi-site strategy has really allowed us to, to grow and grow and grow because when you put 
a campus, as many people know, in an area. It allows people to invite their friends and family that are far from Christ to come to Christ and grow in Christ. And this season has not been any different. We have uh, four physical locations. Brick and mortar is what we call them. But our online campus, of course, many people uh, in the church world are seeing that happen right now. Their online campus is booming. And we had happened to have launched that in 2018. So right now, um, we are seeing uh, that people are starting to come back to our physical campus cautiously Mm -hmm. and safely, as Mm -hmm. well as um, continuing to participate small groups, giving, uh, serving all through our uh, online campus. Love it. That's so good. Um, Why don't we tell us about your role? So kind of give us a bit of your history with the church. What's kind of how you connected here and all that? Yeah. So I've been at Emmanuel be 20 years in April. For 10 years, I was a key volunteer. Um, our church had a founding pastor, as you said, in 1977, and we've only ever had one other senior pastor, and that's our pastor, Danny Anderson. And um, in 2016, you interviewed him. If you want to learn about the church mm-hmm. transition, you can listen to that one. But he uh, has taken um, the church forward since then. And my husband and our family have been a part of that since uh, we came to the church in 2001. He was the first person we started serving with. And we really got plugged in through serving in youth ministry. But um, I'm a developmental therapist by trade. I didn't know that God was going to bring me into this role. And um, I started as a nursery and preschool director and moved up through the different ranks, <laughs> I guess you could say, at Emmanuel. And we navigated everything together from uh, the multi-site strategy to women in leadership. And um, our family uh, is all in at Emmanuel. So we we live to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. All of us serve, you know, give and are in a small group. But for me personally, professionally, I'm one of three executive pastors. Uh, we're structured a little differently. One of the things we love about our pastor is the phrase, well, we haven't done that before. doesn't really come up. We try new things. You're allowed to fail. And, uh, and we do. We do a lot. Um, but I am. Uh, my counterparts are uh, an executive pastor of weekend services and executive pastor of operations. And then I'm over the family and the campuses. Uh, That means both launching campuses and then I'm over the campus pastors and their coaching and development and uh, the health of their campuses. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, okay. So uh, I love multi-site, been involved in Mm -hmm. multi-site 2000s. Uh, We're going to dive deep here a little bit. So folks that are into multi-site, you're going to love this conversation. Um, So let's talk a little bit about how you're structured. So one, and we were joking about this ahead of time. One of the the things that we hear, I hear consistently from, you know, churches, it's like the, it's all a little bit different, but it's the dotted line, solid line conversation. Who has authority? Who has responsibility? How do you pull all this together? Kind of describe your current status of how kind of your leadership is structured at the church. How do you think about the campuses? Why don't we start there? And then we can talk about kind of how that's evolved over uh, the years. 
Yeah. So early on, we realized that the question of dotted line and solid line was just going to get people all tangled. So we redefined that for what worked for our culture, which was if you're a centralized employee, which means you don't have on the ground functions at uh, one of the brick and mortar campuses or the online campus, if you're a centralized employee, then your main objective is to uh, bring excellence and continuity to the organization. And if you are on the ground and you are part of one of the campus, uh, then your main objective is to grow your campus both numerically and spiritually in depth. And we did that by building in campus constants uh, and between the campus constants and the, the, just the brief, simple, direct definition of what the roles were going to be, then we were able to take away the dotted line kind of org chart feel of it and do the work. And that was mm. what was important for us was to be able to progress, progress, progress. Um, so that was a that was a hard conversation for us, and when we started the decentralization process, um, man, we started with those dotted solid lines. We started with, okay, who reports to whom, and man, I crashed that plane because I got to lead us through <laughs> decentralization. Luckily, I have a leader boss who's like, "Fail forward, you got this, keep going." Right, but right, right. wait. I thought that I was just going to be able to say, here's your new work chart, da, 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 yeah, and do yeah. this. It, just like with everything else, you know, a minimum amount of communication that would have been fine for, hey, youth group starts at seven instead of six now. But boy, with the staff, I crashed it. And uh, we went back to the drawing board and realized that, okay, these two, this dotted line, solid line thing is actually what... Uh, just took us completely off track and we were going to make it real simple if you are on a centralized team. So that would be like a communications director. Um, that would be like uh, someone who we have people who are over the excellence and continuity of families. And then we have families pastors on the ground too. Mm. So the, those two may have similar titles, but they have very different jobs. And if you're one of those, then you're going to report to um, this person. And if you're one of the ones on the ground, you're going to report to the campus pastor. So what that meant, Rich, was these people who had been centralized and getting their uh, marching orders from a centralized facilities person, now were looking to their campus pastor. And the campus pastor had to get real intimate with their campus real quick to be able mm -hmm. to lead that. But mm -hmm. The strategy of multi-site was to put the churches in the communities where people could reach people for Christ. And mm. if they were going to do that, then everybody on staff at that campus had to be bought in, had to be uh, able to look to the leadership of the campus pastors. And before, mm. the campus pastors had had zero autonomy. Now, they don't have full autonomy now because we have the centralized uh, professionals looking for the excellence and the continuity. Mm. But mm. man, it is it is difficult and it was a little painful, but it's trucking along now. Yeah. Okay. There's so much there I love. So I, the thing I want to point out for, for listeners is, so it does seem like multi-site churches 
um, we like veer towards this dotted line, solid line all around authority and around mm-hmm. like, who's, who's the big leader? Who's the person with the big stick that can like, you know, yeah. and, and it's uh, the thing I appreciate about what you've done is you've really changed the conversation, which is, Hey, there's actually, uh, you know, central people, you've got some, in your case, excellence and continuity, which I think is great language. And then campus people, your responsibility, responsible for numerical and spiritual growth at depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're saying, hey, that, that both of you are coming at attacking, how do we accomplish our vision, but from a slightly different angle? I think that's such a key learning for people. Let's talk a little bit about the campus constants. You, uh, uh, so I'm familiar with that, but give us kind of how, do, how did you develop those? How did, which, and what are they? How do they function kind of day to day? What does that look like for your church today? Okay, this is where the pain after the failure on the way to success came into play. Because once we realized that the communication was super uh, ineffective the first time, when we went back to the drawing board, uh, my assistant at the time and I realized that we are going to have to dissect this team by team by team and have everyone around the table and building these campus constants together. So we went back to the drawing board of how do you cast the vision for this and start moving toward those campus constants? Because we know we wanted to use the red light, green light, yellow light method, knowing that like, if it's green light, a campus has full autonomy. If it's red light, nope, that's all centralized. You have, and if it's yellow, go ahead and have the discussion. It's open for discussion. And so we knew we wanted to get there with the campus constants, but the buy-in just wasn't there at that Mm. time for the staff. And, you know, at that time it's a 65 person staff. So it is like, you know, we're going to turn this ship, we're going to get it done, but how's it? So we put in a timeline, shared the timeline. We put in, where is your department? So let's take a host team that they, that encompasses our coffee, our greeters, our parking lot, our info center offering. That's our host team. That was now not going to have a centralized person that was over all three of the campuses at that time. Mm -hmm. It was going to have somebody at each campus then reporting to the campus pastors. So the campus pastors got around the table with us and all of the centralized and decentralized to be people. And we parceled out their jobs bit by bit. Mm. Now that might sound super painstaking, but it gave everybody a firm document to look at and refer back to as they changed what some people have been doing. I mean, we have 32 year, 30 year staff uh, that have always worked in a centralized environment where everything came from corporate down and this was going to be brand new for them. Um, And we did it with facilities. We did it with production, worship, children's ministry, student ministry, small groups, connections. um, And we just, took it bit by bit and meeting by meeting. And it did take us, you know, it took us from August of 2018 to May of 2019 to fully decentralize all of the pieces and give people the framework. Now, even to this day, sometimes questions come up and it's difficult, but you can, we have the campus constants in a centralized teams area where they can refer back to it. But it really took the round table meetings of people across from each other 
uh, in person ferreting out. I don't think that that goes here and, and, and fussing and discussing and landing on it and agreeing upon it and walking out of that room ready to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ again. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, so the thing again, I want to point out to, to listeners, this is an important um, process to go through as a church. It's important for as a leadership team to get this right. Um, it, it's, it can feel like a drag because mm-hmm. um, it's like, we're spending a lot of time at the joke I've made in other contexts is like, we're spending a lot of time talking about how we talk to each other. Like we're spending <laughs> a lot of time, you know, but it's important that we put a, you know, Hey, we need to get this done so that we can stay focused on the mission. Was there a particular, maybe one team or one area of the church that did have, um, uh, you know, maybe a particular kind of pain point in this transition mm-hmm. that was particularly painful that you would advise other folks that are listening in like, oh, if you're doing this, think carefully about this area. Maybe in hindsight, what if you were to look back to yourself and say, hey, Rachel, like this area might, might need a little extra care or like we should think about it a little bit differently. Which area would be that would that be and how would you do it a little bit differently? Oh, that's a great question. I would say for us, it's been a weekend service worship side. Mm. And that's because um, a lot of what the beginning of our services start out with exceptional artists singing. They do a great job. We have tremendous worship and the excellence level that I'm just going to say is demanded from us in that area is super high. So that one is the, the department that we waited till um, last to do. So we had worked out all the kinks, you know, we started with the host team and then went to the very end was the worship team where we had uh, worked out the kinks because they have so many shared artists. So being able to say, okay, we are moving people who have been bouncing around to the three campuses to per, to lead worship on the weekends, and we are putting them, you are now the Banta campus team on the south side of Indianapolis. You oh, wow. are that yeah, team. Yeah. Um, you know, that separated friendships. And these are, uh, we call our volunteers impact team members. These are impact team members. These are people who are serving. Um, it wasn't necessarily all staff that was being moved around there and decentralized. So that required a a second level of vision casting. And that was a little tricky and we still, so here's how we solved it. There are teams at every one of our brick and mortar campuses. However, there is also a centralized team of worship leaders that can that have the uh, talent and capability and passion to go to other uh, campuses. And so they will travel outside of their home campus to, to uh, lead worship. And so that one was really hard. And it, and it was because the reason was the secondary vision casting, as well as these people love each other. This is their church. Mm-hmm. The, they, they're there to serve. Yeah. This is part yeah. of their growing in Christ and they wanted to stay. And yeah. so um, that would probably be our hot, our hardest pain point, but man, having an executive pastor for weekend services on my team and him being able to carry the vision with me, that 
was super helpful and is to this day too. He listens to my campus pastors. He hears what they're saying. He pushes excellence forward. He, I mean, he's my teammate and he does that. So um, that w- is also a way that it, that we got found some help in that part of decentralization. Yeah, I love that. Again, another principle just to outline, to pull out for listeners. Uh, the parents got to be on the same page in this one or the, <laughs> or the kids will go sideways. And I've seen that happen in so many churches, right? Where it's like, it's there's a you know a member of the leadership team that's pushing a yeah. uh, you know change initiative, and if it, if there's not solidarity, at least public solidarity, there doesn't necessarily need to be behind the doors. It's okay. Hey, let's disagree. Let's talk Absolutely. about it. And, you know, let's come out and say no. Like this is where we're headed. If, if the kids can sniff that, we all know that in our own families they can sniff that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same with our staff. It's the same uh, with our people. So obviously, this year, you know, the last twelve months have been a bit strange, but. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Leading up to that, you know, kind of post coming through the conversation, okay, you're living in a more decentralized world. There's, there's, you know, you kind of got this all sorted out. What was some of the impact? How did the ministry change? What were some of the positive things that came out? Or maybe some of the negative things, some of the unintended consequences? How is the ministry different now that you've kind of made this, this change? Um, I'll give you a negative and then I'll give you the rest of the positives. What we saw at the, at the onset was, um, well, I'm a highly intense person and my senior pastor is a highly intense person. Both of us were into sports, very, very driven. And so, um, what we saw happen was there was a little competition between the campuses and, um, we saw it actually manifest in our student ministries, which probably wasn't mm-hmm. the best healthy spot for that to happen a lot, you know, cause there's already rivalry. We're trying to join these kids around Jesus, not upset them. So we worked on some different um, ways, like a monthly youth group where we bring them all together and they can see it's one church with Mm. multiple locations, one church, multiple Mm. locations, because we did, we leveraged that uh, competition and we took it from healthy competition to, whoa, 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 let's don't forget we're one church. So there, that was a, a pain point in decentralization. And it didn't happen when we went multi-site. It happened when we decentralized because we had given autonomy then to the different campuses and their campus pastors were pushing for their campus. I mean, that's the patch of ground that they have been given to plow and they were putting their hand to it. And so watching them do that, it, it, it trickled right on down into their campus. Now, what I can tell you is uh, last year we were... T- Here's the positive. Last year, um, I don't mean 2020. I mean before <laughs> we were <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> we were tracking a 20 percent plus growth year over year. I think we were at 22.9. Wow. That's one of the other executive pastors. He's our numbers guy. And so uh, that's, I mean, we were tracking to grow. We were growing over 2019. So that we finished in May of 2019. And by January of 2020, we were already seeing the fruits of that. Um, they, and there were some things that were getting pushed down further into the organization. And we really did see the adage of you can have 
growth or control, but you can't have both. As we release some of that centralized control, mm-hmm. people were joining small groups. Uh, we, we went up in our impact team numbers across the board from 1300 to last year at this time, we were at 1500, we're at 1592. Now, even after the pandemic, we saw our high, we saw over 2000 people get into small groups, 2091. And they, we saw campus pastors being able to push down the vision of growth in Christ through giving. And even to this day, we're still up 9% year over year because that culture of Emmanuel, seeing people come to Christ and grow in Christ was pushed all the way down. And it happened because the campus pastors were on the ground doing that. And if you leave your campus pastor as just the guy or gal that does announcements, then that vision casting isn't on their plate. It's not put in front of them and it doesn't get, you know, deep into, into what you, the the whole DNA down to your preschoolers, you know? Mm. And so, um, I really believe that the, and at first I want to go back and say this at first, when our senior pastor came to the table, he had been at a training and uh, it had been a conference with Carrie Newhoff and he came back and he looked at all of us, not in his excited voice, but in his serious voice. <laughs> so we knew he meant business and said, guys, I think the future's decentralization. I think we have to do it. And he gave us the space to push back, to be scared inside that senior leadership room. And just like you mentioned before, Rich, though, once we left, is game on. Even when I messed up, even when I crashed the plane, they were like, ah, 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 get back up. We're going to decentralize. You're going to do this. You can keep doing it. And uh, they allowed me to get back in the arena. And, and we do attribute, attribute a lot of our success to pushing the yes further down into the organization. Yeah, that's so good. Love it. Well, I, uh, so this might be a bit of a bad question to ask, but one of the things we've seen over time is it's like an oscillation between centralized and decentralized. So you've made, you know, a a significant centralized, you know, you know, oscillation from decentralized to centralized. Mm -hmm. Do you see any areas where it might shift back the other way or, you know, obviously there's so many questions in the air just with everything that's gone on in the last 12 months, but is there, is there any part of this where you're like, Hmm, we might, we might adjust this as we go forward. Any thoughts on that front? Yeah, I would say that the adjustments that we make are always tweaks as we're moving forward. So the adjustment that we saw that needed to be done with the worship team was to maintain at least a core group of centralized musicians and worship leaders that could move campus to campus. Um, there, We left such significant pieces centralized that I don't foresee a huge swing back for us because we know that Pastor Danny can't be shepherding the congregations at all the campuses. And the and the way to do that is to replicate his style, his shepherding, his because we're video venues, so they hear from him every Sunday, and only um, a few times a year do our campus pastors preach. So they really are focused on shepherding their uh, congregation and helping them grow. And so 
it would be very difficult for us to shift back. Now, there are uh, friends of mine that are professionals, uh, executive pastors that have done that, have gone the one direction and were like, no, it's not worth it, not worth the pain, not worth the confusion. I'm telling you, if we had not stopped with the dotted and solid lines and just said, okay, it's not that deep. You guys are going to do this. You guys are going to do that. We love each other. We're a staff. We can move forward. We have the same vision. I know that makes it sound super simplified, but that really was once we shed that uh, org chart mentality and really focused on people's uh, positions as far as their job that they have in front of them to do, that's where the success came. And the truth of the matter is, if tomorrow you told us, hey, you have to go back to centralized, yeah, we could do it. And because we would not define it by who's the boss of you, we define it by, okay, this is what God has in front of you to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. And I know that sounds simplistic, but it it it's the truth. That's exactly how we made it work and are making it work even right now. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I love this. There's so much I've been taking. I, I wish you could see this. I got a page of notes here. I love there's so much language even that uh, hopefully listeners you've been picking up on, uh, you know, the the idea of red light, yellow light, gr- green light. That's a great, obviously, framework, simple, you know, understandable. I think this core idea around, you know, central, central versus campus and the excellence, you know, continuity, all that stuff we've been talking about, I think is so great. Push. Pushing the yes farther down in the organization. I love that. I think you mm. just rolled over that. I think, man, that's a great visual and a great, you know, kind of language piece. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, uh, so helpful for us. And, you know, listeners, the piece I hope you are taking away is really changing the conversation from the who's in charge, who's the person with all the authority, who's mm. the, um, which, which is almost like set up from the beginning to be a fight. Like it's almost like from yes. the beginning that's, it's like not going to work out well. And, and I've been in, uh, and I've joked in other contexts, it's the only time in, uh, in my entire ministry career, I, I used an inappropriate word in a meeting <laughs> was when we were fighting, frankly, over that issue yeah. with the campus pastor, and it was because we were, it was like, we are just, uh, we were ha- literally having the wrong conversation. And so this mm. has been so helpful for folks that are listening in today. Anything else, uh, Rachel, you'd like to share with us just as we kind of come to land the plane here in today's episode? Yeah, I do want to share one little piece of success that we found in the pandemic that's a practical example of something that um, I think could be super helpful for your listenings, your listeners. We uh, did an initiative called a heart touch initiative. And I know that's a super like gentle weirdo kind of word, but just hear my heart. The the week that the pandemic started, we did a shift to, yeah, you know, we're coming home, we're working from home, some of us, and we knew that uh, we have a congregation that's very young and very old. So we started a Heart Touch initiative where we were going to contact via phone all of the people in our church. Now, our roster is like 10,000. We have about 7,000 that attend regularly pre-COVID. And so we knew that that was going to be a big undertaking. And in the course of six months, our staff either called, did handwritten note, or FaceTimed with um, over 17,000 
connections. So not that many people, but they were calling. We started with our 60 plus year olds and worked through them. And it gave the church uh, attenders someone to connect with should something happen to their family or if they became sick and needed pastoral care. And that heart touch kept our people um, online campus, kept us, kept them knowing when it was safe to come back and how many and at what campus and what to do when you got there. And that connectivity um, allowed them also to ask questions about what's going on with the church. Why is it like, why are we shut down? You know, when are you going to open? And the conversations that we've had with them. Um, I had a, a, a winter intern and he said, I said, anything we were doing his exit interview and he said, anything else you, I, I said, anything else you want to tell me? And he said, Hey, I just want you to know that when Misty called my grandma the first week of COVID who has not left her house since March, she felt like she really belonged to the church that you, that you weren't just a church for her grandson, mm, that you were a oh, church wow. for her. And I'm telling you, I'm a crier. I couldn't leave that meeting without a tear coming down my eye. And that heart touch initiative, I just can't stress enough. Um, I don't know how uh, other churches connect with their people, but we usually do email or social media to get something different in the way of a card, FaceTime or call, just um, kept our people connected. And we saw that uh, in our year in giving, we've seen that in our groups launch online and the number of people joining that for community still and to grow in Christ. So we really think we really do attribute that initiative to being super helpful um, in keeping our people connected to our specific church. Oh, I love that. That is so good. And the thing I want to you know, underline, which you wouldn't say about yourself, is <laughs> there are a lot of churches that think about doing those things, but then to actually action that at scale is just incredible. Like mm-hmm. it's one thing mm-hmm. to call 100 people, it's another thing to have 17,000 connections. Um, that's just amazing. Now, are you thinking about, you know, how is that impacting the future? Like, are you thinking about even as we go forward, kind of keeping the heart, heart you know, heart touch initiative rolling, or what does that look like? Oh, the logistics of the heart touch are actually not that hard. We use rock. I don't, it's, and we're able to track all of those in rock. And so people write the notes in there about how they have have connected with the person. But now this heart touch is part of our language. And um, we subscribe to both 4DX and traction operation operating systems for our, um, for how we run things like lead and lag measures and rocks. And so now a lot of people's Q1 and Q2 lead measures uh, are reflective of, you know, I'm going to do 25 heart touches. And and that's an acceptable lead measure right now as we seek to maintain connectivity to our pre-COVID congregation and bring in new people, you know, it's amazing to me that we're still tracking new hears. We're still tracking salvations. And I'm not going to say everything has been easy. You said it earlier, there's fussing and discussing in the senior leadership room every meeting, but it is um, definitely still moving forward. And yeah, the Heart Touch Initiative, it's part of our language now. Mm -hmm. Love it. 
That's so good. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic, Rachel. I am so honored that you'd be on the show. Uh, for folks that are listening in, uh, so part of the way we do this, we we have like a bunch of things that we could talk about on a list. We've covered like maybe 20% of what Rachel said. <laughs> well, I'd love to have you back at some point in the future. There's so oh, much more. We talk about. Um, if, if people want to connect with you or with the church, where do we want to send them? How do we want to keep them connected uh, with the good things that are happening at Emmanuel? Absolutely. So our website is e like Emmanuel, C like church, life.org. So eclife.org. My last name is Long. So it's just rlong at eclife.org. And I'm available via email. Uh, we're super quick on our response time. We have a standard of 24 hour response time to email. So if you do email me, it's just as good as texting. We'll get right back to you. Um, and then our social media, um, we are on all the platforms except Twitter for the church. So um, you can find us and it's always EC life and across the board. Great. Rachel, I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for taking time out to invest in us. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>